Hey, it's Liz Kelly, and welcome to the Ringer Podcast Network. Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs are Super Bowl champions, so for coverage of the game and everything that happened in Miami, check out the Ringer NFL show for their game recap. And on the site, you can read Danny Heifetz on Andy Reid, Roger Sherman on Patrick Mahomes, and Robert Mays on Kyle Shanahan's Super Bowl Deja Vu. On The Ringer's YouTube channel, make sure to check out Slow News Day with Kevin Clark live from Miami with a bunch of special guests like Miles Teller and Glenn Powell. You can watch and subscribe at youtube.com slash The Ringer. All right, welcome to Against All Odds, part of The Ringer Podcast Network. Bad news, everyone. Football is over. I knew it would happen. It happens every year. They do this to us. I had the 49ers. I'm not depressed over that, but I'm depressed over football being done. The degenerate trifecta is super depressed. They'll return next week. They, they couldn't carry on. I had to give them the week off. Later in the podcast, we'll talk to Jay Cornegay. He's the vice president of Westgate Sportsbook. He'll tell us how they did in general, which props killed the book, where they cleaned up, how we could pass these next few miserable weeks before March Madness. But one way to do it is to go over odds for the Academy Awards with my co-host and movie buff from Lock It In, our sports gambling roundtable show. You can see it 4.30 to 5.30 Eastern on FS1. The lovely and talented Rachel Bennett. I think she's more lovely than talented. <laughs> P.S. Definitely. Are you okay? You sound really know. depressed in this I'm upset. intro. I'm upset. Hey, we're, uh, we just got done with a week of shows in Miami. We did yeah. six shows, actually. It was sick, right? I think it was sick. It's the only way to describe it. Do you <laughs> it like was, do you like live or in studio? I I think I like live better because it means we're always we're all together at the table, which it, it's just more fun. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't know. It's, don't you think it's kind of cool to like look behind you and say like, well, people actually watch our show? Absolutely. It's kind of weird, but it's uh, I don't know. It just brings like a different energy to it. And you it's, know, we paid those cool. people, right? Yeah, probably. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, it's nice. I get to throw water on Clay Travis well, and Todd. From I can't do that uh, every day. When that, we're that's true. Of miles but away. you've done that when we don't have an audience. That's oh, the that's audience true. is not. Right. Yeah. What was the highlight? Do you want to of, of Miami? Aside from the near uh, threesome we encountered between uh, coworkers Sorry? Saturday night, you weren't involved. We weren't involved. Um, PAs. My favorite part. Well, we sent Clay out to see, which was fun. Yeah, yeah. I except, wish he stayed there. Except he came back. Highlight of the week. You know what? This is going to sound cheesy, but it was really nice to just spend time together all week. Like all of <laughs> all four of us, we went out for dinners every night. Shut up. It was nice. We don't get to hang out. Right. Well, you and I do, but... It was good, yeah. But all four of us don't get to hang very often, so... We had fun. My wife was there for a lot Melissa of it. Melissa was Thank there, yeah. Thank you for uh, being nice to her. Yeah. yeah, we had a good time. I'd like to go back. Maybe Would we'll be you? doing it for March Madness. Yeah, I like the live stuff. I really do. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, but we're done with football season now. Are you excited about basketball? I am excited about basketball. Yeah. I do love basketball, but I am bummed that football is over. Yeah, I guess I, I, I get bummed out when football's over, and I can appreciate basketball, except when you have to bet it every day. It's so reckless. Well, here's play. the, and maybe this is too inside baseball, but like when you're talking, when we're in the football season, we are like beating these topics to death Monday mm-hmm. through Friday. We're talking like only Cowboys every single day. And right. what I love about basketball is like you have a different game every single night basically to talk about. So mm-hmm. it just makes the show feel like it flows better. And it's like we're talking about new things. We're getting distracted. We're not just like getting bogged down with things. So yeah. I like basketball. All right. Better. And your team's good. The Raptors are We out, just won 11 in a row. I was looking at their schedule. They really don't have a tough stretch until mid-March. And you have the same record as the Clippers, which no one predicted. 
Yeah, and we're only, I think we're only like six games behind the Bucks, which yeah. I don't know if that's going to be hard to we, catch. Wait, 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 listen to you. Um, well, it's my team. We have the Oscars coming up. Yes. I know you're a big movie fan. Yes. We did this last year. Mm-hmm. I don't know why I would bet on the Oscars, aside from I, I just need something to bet on because football's over, because I suffered my worst beat of all time betting the Oscars, and I was actually there when I had La La Land over Moonlight. They announced La La Land as the winner. Uh, I mean, how bad a beat is that when you're announced the winner and then they take it back? <laughs> I thought there were no take backs in this. That's but. not allowed. But did you have a lot riding on that? Yeah. Yeah. I had a lot riding on it. <laughs> I had a lot, 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 lot riding on it. But anyway, um, we watched these movies. We watched most of them. Yeah. I think it's a good crop. I'm normally it is. down a on lot a lot of, of them. I normally think it's depressing, but you liked a bunch of them too, right? I liked a ton of them. This is a really good year for movies. Yeah. There's a lot. Uh, I, I feel like there's a lot uh, missing from these lists, which mm. I think we're going to get to, too. A lot oh, of okay. uh, things that are making me angry the about snubs. the Oscars this year. But uh, there's a lot of really, really good movies. I'm trying to figure out where we should start. Because as far as betting on these, I get excited about it. But it's only a, a couple of categories that are not runaways. One of them is Best Picture. Um, I can go through the odds right now. 1917 is the front runner at minus 220. Ooh. Parasite, 3-1. to one. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, 6-1. to one. Then it gets to be long shotty. Joker, 14 Irishman 50 to 1, Marriage Story 80, JoJo Rabbit 80 to 1, Little Women 80 to 1, Ford v Ferrari 125 to 1. What are your initial thoughts on this? Who's going to win? Who should win? <sighs> the, t- the top ones are all pretty close. Yeah. I think that 1917 was insane. Yeah. It was such a good movie, but Parasite right underneath it was also insane. That was a wild ride. And I think everything else is kind of a little bit separated. Like Once Upon a Time in Hollywood was good. Joker was good. But it's more so the performances in Joker. But uh, 1917, I feel like this was the first time that I actually sat... after the movie was over, I felt like everyone was just frozen. Mm-hmm. They, I, I, frozen I, the movie? I or? have never seen That's more not, people stuck um, to their seats. Right. That is what I mean. Um, and just was like blown away by the movie and everyone was just like, holy crap, what just happened? Yeah. And people were like looking to each other and like discussing it. And I was just like, maybe I just got a weird batch of people, but everyone was right. just like st- frozen in time. Yeah, I love 1917. I thought it was one of those movies that you know, I, I, afterwards, I'm like, what did I just watch? Yeah. And, you know, Avatar was like that, but I also got seasick from Avatar. So um, the <laughs> I feel one, like you get seasick get from seasick a lot of a lot, stuff. But, and I'm not even into war movies. I don't care. I, oh, I, they, see, I they, they bum me out. Yeah, of course. But I don't know. It's just the, when you leave and you're like, well, I don't, I'm not sure what I saw. I don't get how... They did it without cuts. I feel like I'm watching a magic trick. So here's for two the thing. I heard about this no cuts nonsense. Yeah. And I couldn't not think about that during the movie. Right. So my boyfriend and I, we were constantly looking. He, we would nudge each other. That was cut. That was cut. That yeah. was cut. There's no way. They did not go through the entire movie. Dude, it's insane. As soon as there the was like a dark frame, it was like, okay, that was a cut right not there. Not too many dark frames. I know. And, and your boyfriend. I wonder like, how many, though, there are. Pete is a director. He could probably figure this out more. But yeah. there, prob- there probably weren't a ton of them. I know it's. I'd be interested to know like the exact number. Now the knock on it is maybe there wasn't enough storyline because this is huh? uh, Mendez. Well, I mean, this is it was actually a story that his grandfather told him about the First World War, 
And uh, he was in it. I mean, the grandfather's character was the main character. I felt like there was a lovely story. You do? Yeah. And it was weaved throughout. I didn't okay. feel like it was like, I feel like sometimes with war movies, it's just a lot of action. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that's that happens often where it's just people getting blown up and it's just guns and all this stuff is happening. But I don't know. I really liked it. They had story. to get from A to B. I'm just saying if, if that they had They literally like, had to get from A to B. If all those, if all that was going around marriage story. Like bombs are going Don't get off around marriage, on marriage story. story. And you combine the story and everything else. Let's go through these. <laughs> Parasite was great too. So that's it. So it's either really going to be Parasite or 1917. 1,000%. I would, I would love to see Parasite win. Yeah. Because when, when's the last time a foreign film won Best Picture? It was Green Book. Green Book was Best Picture. Green Book right. was Best Picture. That was a good one. Could have been Roma. That was not a foreign film. Um, you saw this unlike 1917. No, it wasn't far. Um Unless the Deep South is foreign. But the 19, you saw it before I did. This was opposite of 1917 that I saw before you. I recommend you see it in the theaters. You saw Parasite before I did. Yeah. And I said, uh, and I, put, I, I turned it on at 1030. And I was like, oh, I don't feel That's like dumb. reading for two and a half hours. But I did it. And I was glad I did. I mean, there were, there were great scenes. And it was so it was fun and funny and, and yeah. everything. And the yeah. Acting and was it was great. suspenseful and creepy yeah. and it had everything. Right. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I liked it. I appreciated it. I think I only liked like three scenes though. Totally. I felt like it was way yeah. too long. I liked the Bruce Lee scene, which yep. now everyone is actually pissed off about because yep. he would have kicked uh, Brad Pitt's ass. Probably. I liked when Brad Pitt went back to the ranch to save or check in on that blind old man oh, that was yeah. pretty tense mm -hmm. and I like the end scene that was crazy you didn't like that, the scene when was... the little girl is talking to uh, Leonardo DiCaprio that she, was fine. she blew me away she was phenomenal she was good I, I didn't appreciate a lot of the DiCaprio scenes where he's acting in the movie not acting in the movie, but acting yeah, as yeah, if yeah. he's acting. Like, that was I, I one thing that cheesed me was that. that there were so many cutaways of of what, whatever his name was right. in the movie in yeah. these little vignettes. And mm -hmm. I was like, we get it. I just felt like the movie overall was like a 45 minutes or an hour too long. Mm -hmm. um, but it's like a it's a Quentin movie. So yeah. they're great. But yeah. yeah, Joker, I thought they all nailed it. I mean, that's. That's as intense as you can get. Let me ask you this. Like was the movie. movie good or was his performance just really good? He was excellent. It's hard to separate it. It, it is. so on. I mean, yeah. you can't give it to anyone. We'll get to that in a second. I don't, I don't think you can give it to anyone else. Was, I didn't pay attention you know. to the script. I didn't pay attention to the story. I was right. just so blown away by him that I don't know if I liked the movie or I just really liked him. Right, exactly. I, it's funny. I and I don't my, know what that means. I don't know if that makes it a great movie or yeah. not. But My cousin Jimmy Kimmel, I was like, oh, I had just seen it. I was like, Joker was great, wasn't it? And he's like, no, I hated it. I was like, oh. why did you hate it? He's like, why the fuck do you think I hated it? I was like, oh yeah, talk show host gets blown away <laughs> at the end. I think they doubled up on security. Yeah. Because and then of that. Joaquin went on his show and had like yeah. a really wild interview. <laughs> we talked about, I went and watched it and I was just like, did you see this? Like, Listen, it was really interesting. Yeah, he's, he's the best. Yeah. Um, and then The Irishman, which I still, look, I went back and watched parts of it. I appreciate a few scenes. Come on. It looked nice, but Really? It's too long. I just Tell, don't. I just, if, they, if this wasn't a movie and this yeah. was a miniseries, they, it would have won every single Emmy. It would have won all of the Golden Globes. Right. Every other TV, whatever limited series that you could win, they mm -hmm. would win it. It's just because people couldn't get over the length of the film. What do you mean can't get over the length? Like, that should be a thing. If, like a, if, if a one-hit wonder band does their hit 
and then four hours of nothing. And they're like, oh, wasn't that a great performance? Can you pick out the songs? Mm. Can you pick out the, the stand-up comic I'm, that goes I'm with on you. I do think hours? it's too long. I think that they, they made a grave error in making it a movie. Yeah. Because if it's not, then it's like the greatest thing. Right, and right, we right. would have all been like so hooked to it. Because I, I didn't get, I don't know a single person that got through it in one sitting. Mm. Like I had to watch it like four times yeah. to get through the whole thing. And I think the but people I loved who did it every watch single it time. like that appreciated it more. 1,000%. Yeah. I, liked, I thought it came a little too late too. I think it should have been 10 years after Casino, so but there, when was the last, when was the last like great mobster movie? So that was it. So I just don't think you can count it in with the Casino and the Goodfellas and all those. But well, no, the, the, the way that they're just too old, and I know I know you make fun of how old I am, but they're just <laughs> the eyebrows after a while. That was Robert De Niro stomping the uh, the grocery keeper. <laughs> yeah. Oh my he hand, had to ice just his move body. your hand. It's fine. Um, <laughs> that that bugged me. You didn't like Marriage Story. I don't. Oh, I hated it. Yeah, I really did not like too it. Too real. I, I don't know if it was too, maybe it just made me not want to get married ever. Yeah. It just seemed so sad. It just seemed frustratingly horrid. You could say frustrating. Frustratingly yeah. horrid. Uh -huh. And I don't know. I was just, maybe it's, maybe that is a good thing because the movie like made me feel something yeah, and yeah. it was like anger and like mm -hmm. sadness for these people. Mm -hmm. But by the end of it, I just wanted to throw my head through a wall. Like, yeah. I was just like, oh, people are terrible right. to each other. And don't go with the scumbag lawyers. They're going to make this worse, right? Absolutely. To, listen to Alan Alda. Always listen to Alan Alda. You've got the right <laughs> Across idea. the board. Um, Jojo Rabbit. One of my favorite Hitler movies of all time. Top, I would top say five, top, would say. yeah, top two, I would say. Yeah. Um, Jojo Rabbit was really good. Mm -hmm. It was, I, I found myself at the end, I was just like, it, it was just a really fine line between mm -hmm. horrible and really funny. Yeah. And he, I think that Taika Waititi really just like danced upon that line. Yeah, right. I mean, he played Hitler. Right. Which was insane. But there is this moment in the end of the movie where Sam Rockwell, mm -hmm. who, you know, is a Nazi. Yeah. Um, but he's kind. Not in real life. But to yeah. people. Yeah, sure. Mm -hmm. Not in real life. That's Sam Rockwell's character is a Nazi mm -hmm. in this movie. Uh, and he shows kindness. Mm -hmm. And then in the end, spoiler alert, he dies. Yeah. And everyone in the audience goes, oh. Right. And I just looked around. I was like, he's a Nazi. <laughs> what has happened to us? And I feel like that's just the only thing that I walked away from that film being like, oh, yeah, like, it's I get it. It's funny and it's a great movie, but yeah. our country screwed up. We're rooting, we're for, we're rooting for Nazis. Right now. Yeah. yeah, it's hard to get around. But it was um, Little Women, you didn't see. I think this is going to be one of your favorites. When I'm going to watch it tonight. I gave you the disc. Yeah. I think you'll like it. You know, because like a woman wins at the end. Whatever. You, you love that shit. Ladies. A um, lot of fun. Good one. Ford v. Ferrari. I don't think it belongs. A, a good enough movie. You watch uh, a movie about cars. did a nice job, but I don't, I don't know that it belongs. And that's why it's 125 to 1. So I'm going to put this out there. This is basically the same odds as Best Director. Sam Mendes is minus 900. Parasite plus 450. Um, oh, I see. I, what you're do saying. you think if one wins one, they're going to win both? That's I think so. Sort of what happens here. So, what's your pick? Uh, I hate to be chalky here, but I think that 1917. It's so close. Yeah, it is so close. I think I'm going to go 1917 just because it's pretty much cleaned up at every single other award show. Right. Uh, exactly. It's won everything. I don't think 1917 is one best picture in in any other place. They've won best foreign film, mm -hmm. but best best picture, I don't think so. Yeah. Um, you mean you Parasite? You don't think Parasite's Oh, perfect. shit. Yeah. Right. No, it's yeah, okay. Yeah. Uh, I agree. I think it's 1917. I think it has to be. If you go shot for shot, let's talk about Best Director um, because you're going to marry one very soon. But <laughs> why 
what was the best shot? What did you leave that? Like for 1917, me, when that German plane crashes, oh, and then that guy, again, spoiler alert for all of these. Yeah. Uh, and then he kills the co-main uh, character there. Mm -hmm. That was freaking phenomenal. I don't it know was how really long cool. it took to shoot, but everything else around it was great and picturesque as they move from scene to scene to scene. Um, I'm going to one-up you go ahead. on 1917. There's a shot that I, I still think I'm thinking about mm. when it's nighttime and he's this man has, is having to travel through all of these broken buildings and there's oh, yeah. something that looks like fireworks going off. Yeah. It's not fireworks, maybe like flares and it just lights up the set mm -hmm. and it looks amazing because right. as soon as the lights go off, then the bullets start and mm -hmm. he starts getting like shot out and then and then this firework comes down and then he's like in the in the clear. So I, I think that that just the movement of that and the lighting was phenomenal. Do you think it helps? And maybe I'm wrong about this. Maybe there is a making of Parasite, but there's definitely a making of 1917. I think that I think that helps like, you know, Goner like interest in the movie and everything like appreciation for. I think so, too. Well, especially because they were doing the no cut thing. Yeah, I think yeah. that it, you, it makes you exactly appreciate it more what right. they did. Mm -hmm. I don't feel like 1917 had anything crazy like that. Uh, but Parasite. Or Parasite. Yeah, it's a, but Parasite, there were some cool scenes, right? Like that end scene <clears throat> with the, the big the mass murder at the end. That was that Phenomenal. was interesting. And then there's one scene from Parasite which if you've seen this movie, you know exactly what I'm talking about, where the man that's been living downstairs oh, yeah. just mm -hmm. slowly creeps above the staircase. And Lots see, of fun. It feels like his eyes are like popping out of his head. Right. And my in my the pit of my stomach, I was like sick. I was like, that. that's so frightening. Yeah. You know what I mean? That I was like, oh. Yeah. And the, a lot of flood scenes too in Parasite. I actually think, you know, Todd Phillips for Joker, Scorsese for Irishman, Tarantino for Once Upon a Time in uh, uh, Hollywood, Parasite and uh, 1917. If these were different years, any they one of these could have won. won, right? Yeah, 1,000%. Yeah. So it's just... Um, this is a tough year. Like, I would hate to be nominated this yeah. year because it's like, oh, crap. You would like to be nominated I would love every to be nominated. year. No, what please, are you talking I'll about? I'll be in Take a quick turn. You know, That's please. stupid talk. Uh, all right, so we're both going 1917, but we, we would be okay if Parasite won, yeah. depending on where we put our money on Sunday. Best actor. So now we get to the runaways, like um, Joaquin Phoenix, Joker. I thought he nailed it. Um, yeah, Adam Driver was great in Marriage Story. He's seven to one. I didn't care, like I said, about DiCaprio's character as much. Twenty-two to one, because um, nothing really happened. I know you like that scene with the little girl approaching him after that. Well, he also freaks out in scene. his trailer too. That was a pretty good yeah, scene. That was okay. Yeah, uh, Antonio Banderas. I don't, you know, you dressed like him on our big show uh, in Fox <laughs> on Saturday. You had the buttons all over the sleeves and everything. <laughs> I didn't see Pain and Glory or the two popes, but no. Joaquin Phoenix. We're okay Do we even with that. have to discuss this? Nah, I mean, I don't Joaquin think so. Phoenix became yeah. a completely different person. What do you think it is about the Joker <laughs> character that drives people to become I don't know. a little cuckoo? Yeah. And I think, well, you have to be there a little bit to begin with. And then yeah, I don't know if you there. can unwind from it for two years. Yeah. Well, Heath Ledger, um, I, I feel like I read something where he like locked himself in a hotel room to become Joker really? and like didn't see anybody wrote in his like journals mm -hmm. and just be just like gotten in this really, really dark place. Yeah. And I don't know what Joaquin did. That's what Todd Furman does whatever, every night in Miami. Yeah. Whatever he did, he went to a different place. And yeah. I feel like that would be really, really hard to get out of. Mm. Because you're it? you're also there for months at a time. Right. You know what I mean? And it's like, you know, I, I haven't done 
that kind of acting, but I've been in like scenes where I've had to be sad before. Yeah. And to even hop out of that is really tough. Even just like doing it after a day. Right. I can and then only you imagine the kind of like, you'd like... have to go see like a therapist after this. I feel. Oh, he definitely needs to go see a therapist. <laughs> like you said, he can watch him on Jimmy Kimmel He's live. So good. You decide what's real and what's not. But I, here's the thing. Even if it was a C plus performance, I want to see him deliver the acceptance speech Sunday night. Right. Well, because every, every time he's won something, I think he won the Golden Globe yeah. and uh, the BAFTA. Every time he goes up and says something, it's always like, oh, It's the most exciting moment. If we're going to watch this for four hours, we need Joaquin Phoenix to win at the yeah. end. I, I really like him. I really like Joaquin Phoenix. He's, he's a different guy. He's good. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, best actress. You're going to have to help me out here because oh, Renee Zellweger. This is so easy, Sal. I saw a lot of clips of Renee Zellweger. I didn't watch Judy. She did. She now she played a good Judge Judy. She really did. Like yelling, at, <laughs> yelling at those people. How dare you? Uh, minus two thousand. Scarlett Johansson, Marriage Story, plus six fifty. Cynthia Erivo, Harriet didn't see it. Twelve to one. Charlize Theron, I love that. And Bombshell, twelve twenty. She to killed one. it. And Cerise, uh, how do we say this? Sersha. Sersha Ronan. I'm sorry, Little Women. You'll love this. You're gonna probably have a different opinion on this when you watch it. Twenty eight to one. Tell me about Renee Zellweger. She. <laughs> <laughs> this movie is insane. She had you at hello. The, she had me at somewhere over the rainbow. Right. Um, the movie itself, I didn't absolutely love, mm -hmm. but her performance is just she uh, uh, exactly mm -hmm. that she was that she uh, her face moved in different ways. Right. And I don't know if it's because she like had all this work done. Mm -hmm. And you remember, like a couple years ago, everyone was kind of like bullying her because she looked completely different. Yeah. Her face, the way that it was, the way her lips were, like she just looked, the makeup, everything. She just looked really like washed up right. and like damaged. And that's exactly what happened to Judy Garland. I also didn't know much about Judy Garland. Like she was put through the oh, yeah. shitter. Um, and uh, this is kind of like the last six months of her life, last year of her life before she died. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's really sad. And Renee Zellweger did a killer job. All right. I'm going to have to watch it. Yeah, um, literally just just pick that one blindly. She's going to win so easily. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's a winner. Uh, Liza Minnelli, Judy Garland's daughter, refuses to see the movie. I I'm also sure didn't to... even know that. You I didn't, didn't know that Liza oh, Minnelli really? was Judy Garland's oh, daughter. Yeah. yeah. It's real stuff. But <laughs> it's um, real stuff. I would say, uh, yeah, so she's going to win this one. Yeah. Um, Scarlett Johansson did a good job. She was good. I like Charlize Theron. Charlize Theron. I and everything she does, like, it's almost she like just became you have to so watch much for like, 10 minutes. Like, oh, that really is Charlize Theron? That's really? not Megyn Kelly? I know. Yeah. It's crazy. She I heard that she, the way that she, like, had to change her voice, she uh -huh. had to go, like, down a couple of different octaves to become right. Megyn Kelly. And she had to, like, go to the doctor because mm -hmm. she, like, damaged her vocal cords wow. and had to, like, have therapy on her like, you know, vocal yeah. cords and... That's worth it. That is so <laughs> worth it to come in fourth place. Um, they got to win something with makeup. Well, let me ask you this. So, and I think that's a knock on Judy a lot. Like the movie maybe isn't that great. Her performance was spectacular. Yeah. Do you think that helps sometimes where you transcend the movie? You're so many levels above the movie that it doesn't matter. Or like, yeah. you know, whereas um, people love the Irishman, but how do you separate, you know, Pacino and De Niro and... And, uh, I think a passion. good performance like that, we were just talking about Joaquin Phoenix and Joker. Yeah. Like, I don't right. know if that movie is great without mm -hmm. Joaquin Phoenix. Right. Like, he is what made it good. 
Renee Zellweger is what made Judy good. Right. Um, so I think that that definitely makes a difference. And all the all the more reason to give them a, an award as they elevated that sure. movie to even so be it helps, something to talk about. Um, supporting actor. See, this is where it gets, you talk about make, a, make a movie. It's a little tricky. These are fun. Brad Pitt, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, minus 2,500, runaway winner. Pesci and the Irishman, 8 to 1. Pacino, 18 to 1. Irishman. Tom Hanks, A Beautiful Day in Neighborhood, 20 to 1. Anthony Hopkins, Two Popes. 33 to 1. I got a hot take for this one. Well, let, let's hear it. Why? Uh, you, you don't want Brad, Brad Pitt? Pitt played Brad Pitt. Ooh. Brad Pitt was just himself in that movie. Mm. Did a great job. And maybe yeah. that's what acting is. Mm. Is like all these people, <laughs> you know, walking Phoenix, all these people just get placed into these roles that right. they fit really well. That's what casting is. Um, I think he did a great job. He was a lot of fun. And he's been winning all of these other awards. So he probably will win. Yeah. Tom Hanks. As Mr. Freaking Rogers was pretty damn good. Mm. He, I, I did again. I didn't love that movie. And you didn't he, love it. You, yeah, we talked about this already. I didn't, <laughs> I didn't love it. But him, and especially because Tom Hanks, he won that big award during the Golden Globes. I feel like this might be the year of appreciation for Tom Hanks. This right. could be a year that he, that maybe a flyer, mm -hmm. he could take it. Well, all right. Here's my counter hot take to your hot take. Um, I thought Matthew Reese was as good as Tom Hanks in that movie. I love I, Tom Hanks. I disagree. I think he was great. I think he moved the story along. He was perfect. You're not, say, you're, you're not an American. I, you're I, not even American. But you're, I feel like it's so hard. Fan of the it's so hard. It's similar to what Charlize Theron did. It's so yeah. hard to perfectly imitate somebody. Yeah. And they did. They both did he it. He did nail it. It's, he did nail it, it. They became a real person. Right. And that's hard. I feel like that's kind of harder to do than, yeah. you know, making just whoever you want mm. and, and putting them out into the world. Right. And I think that Tom Hanks did a killer job. He did. So, all right. So Pesci and Pacino, I think it just annoyed me so much that that there were seven more rounds of, hey, you got to talk to Pacino. Uh, hey, this is this is Pesci talking talk to, to yeah. uh, De Niro. Like, you got to talk to Pacino. You got to you got to you got to straighten him out. There were like seven rounds too many of those. Like, we get it. He's like, yeah, he'll listen to you. It's like, no, he's not listening to you because you just went to him. We just saw that for 20 minutes. So I think that's what bums me out about those guys. Brad Pitt. You love it. He was really cut, really cut for this movie. <sighs> and I'm going to bum you out. Right he was here. great. He was great. And he totally deserves to win. I just feel like, you know. I've met him in real life. This oh, is going to bum you out. He's amazing, probably. He's my height. <laughs> that's not true. <laughs> he just slammed your coffee down. That's not true. Yes, he is. He he's is. five foot four. Oh, shut the hell up. <laughs> he's not five four, but Hold he's my eye. So, uh, well, that's no! maybe he should win just because of that. Whatever you look up is just going to be a lie. I'm telling you, I've sat, I've stood next to him. He played a FedEx guy in I'm fucking Ben Affleck, which was the, the sequel to I'm fucking Ben Affleck. Oh, Matt yeah. Damon. yeah, yeah. Which I you wanted at me for. I'm sorry. You would have. This is he's 5'11. You're not 5'11. Nah. Well, maybe I am now. It's a if lie. He is, yeah. It's true. Whoa, that might be Hollywood's best kept secret. There you go. Well, now it's not a secret. It's out. But um, what does he smell like? You'll see. He'll be like uh, four inches taller than the Oscar when he's holding it. <laughs> what What does he smell like? Does, <laughs> does I feel smell like he like? smells funky. He smells like the Toronto Raptors. So delicious. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what he smells like. Um, best supporting actress. Another one. Laura Dern. Mm. Minus 2200 for Marriage Story. Really Margot Robbie. Bombshell. Eight to one. She was excellent. Florence Pugh, Little Women, 14 to 1, really good. Scarlett Johansson, Jojo Rabbit, 20 to 1. Kathy Bates, excellent. Richard Jewell, 33 to 1. Scarlett um, Johansson deserves this award. You like that, huh? I thought that she did really, really good. Was in she in that Jojo movie Rabbit. enough? Yeah, I think so. She was? Yeah. She was in it for a lot of it. 
She well, had that. She had that scene where she's like putting the stuff on her face from right. the fireplace, and yeah, yeah. Um, you know, she had to do an accent, which is not easy. Oh, that's true. Yeah, uh, Laura Dern. I liked her better. I, w- I wish you'd say that you could. You tell me tomorrow if you agree. I think I liked her better in Little Women mm. than Marriage Story. I just I mean, she played a lawyer and she was yeah you know, hard ass and everything. It like, just really seemed good, like very but, similar to who she is. Yeah. Maybe. So I don't think it's that much of a stretch, but she did a good job. I also think Margot Robbie did a really good job in Bombshell. Yeah. Yeah. That was a tough role. That was to play. a really good movie. This is that's really turned everyone here at Fox upside down, <laughs> this bombshell thing. Everyone's de- dressing different. What do you have on right now? You have like this Canada sweatshirt. <laughs> <laughs> I've dressed the that same is your since nephew's I've been sweatshirt, here. Right Can we now? tell a quick story though? So our sure. writer, our writer yeah. Scott, yeah. goes to see Bombshell by himself. I didn't and know. And he walks out of the theater and everyone's like looking at him kind of weird. He's like, what's, do I have something on my face? He goes oh. to the bathroom. He's wearing a Fox Sports hat. Oh, I didn't know. <laughs> <laughs> so everyone's like, what is going on? A lot of people yeah. can't differentiate from Fox Sports. Well, Fox News, but. to be fair, it probably probably had about three ounces of liquid cheese in his beard also. So it might not have had anything to do with that. Probably combination. Hat. All right. So I don't know what we learned here. We both like 1917, which Love is a it. small favorite for best picture. And Sam Mendes for best director. He's a larger favorite. We like uh, Zellweger for Judy. We like Joaquin Phoenix for Joker. Um, you want Hanks for best supporting actor? I just feel like it would be. A, it's a nice flyer. All right, that would you be. Know, a fun don't, bet. don't don't put anything crazy on no, it. No, it's nice to collect twenty to one. But I feel like this might be a year. This might be Tom Hanks's year. Yeah. And you like Scarlett Johansson also. I really like for Scarlett Jojo Johansson. Yeah. All right, so let's do that. Um, that brings us to our sponsored segment, Captain Morgan's Make Believe Riverboat Casino. Each week, we set sail tackling pretend propositions related to sports and pop culture events. This week, I was talking to the captain, went to see a movie. Mm. I'm like, oh, there's some annoying people around us. Yeah. And he says, Sal, who are the most annoying people around us? Why don't we rank them? You and Rachel rank them. You bet on them. The biggest movie experience pet peeve. Here they are. Excessive talkers, five to two odds. Person next to you lighting up the theater with their cell phone, three to one. Loud popcorn chewers, four to one. Feet on the back of your seat, nine to two. Or field, seven to two. What are you going with, Rachel? First off, I do some of these things. (laughs) (laughs) But I'm going with the field. And I'm going with something a little obscure. I don't know if you're going to agree with this. but So you walk into a movie theater. Mm -hmm. You got your popcorn. You got your soda. Maybe Mm -hmm. you got some candy. You watch the movie. People that leave their trash behind when Mm. you are literally leaving and walking past multiple garbage cans, that kind of drives me crazy. Right. And the way that you're looking at me tells me you do this. You're lazy. I don't know that I do it anymore. Pete does it. And I always have to grab his shit on the way out. I wonder why. Are you okay with that in a stadium? No. There's people that have to clean up after you. Make their lives easier. You're coming in the same way you can't. You carried mm-hmm. the shit in. Carry right. it out. You're walking by a garbage can. It takes two seconds. Yeah. I'm a hypocrite with this because I'm all over my agent, kind of your agent now, James Baby Doll <laughs> Dixon, who will routinely be driving on the the uh, Northern State Parkway in, in Long Island and drop, like, throw a bag of McDonald's out the window. How is he a window. litter bug? And he's the he's last a- of the litter bugs, and we make fun of him endlessly about it. And his response is, my name is Chuck. I don't give a fuck. 
which is oh, stupid. That doesn't make no, any sense. Baby. But it's one thing about like throwing your cigarettes into a bush that almost sets fire. But when he's throwing trash on the street, that's not it's okay. One thing. I don't know why a theater is di- different to me. Maybe because I'm much older than you, and we grew up like that's just what it was. You would leave your stuff on the. I ground just, and- I just think it's rude. All right, and uh, the other stuff doesn't bother me. So well, much. here's what's. Ruder, and it's um, it's a variation of one of the choices. Feet on the back of your seat sucks because it's on, it's off. They they it, you're you're at the mercy of the person behind you, and much like you were with that microphone, it's constantly adjusting based on how they want to move their feet. But here's what people do that gets me crazy: there are now people who are in the front row that could put their feet on the, the bars, bar. bare freaking feet. Oh, bare feet. And it takes me out of a movie I think Clay does more that. than Clay Travis definitely does that mm-hmm. for sure. It takes me out of a movie more than like a, a, a cell phone being lit up or people chewing or all these things mentioned. Bare feet on the front row bar gets me absolutely crazy. There is a special place in hell. Yeah. I for went, these people. When I went to Bombshell, this. there was a baby in the crowd. What? That started crying like halfway through. Yeah, I don't like that either. Why even? Why are you bringing a baby to Bombshell? Got to pay the babysitters there. That's insane. Yeah, that's nuts. All right, that's another week of Captain Morgan's Make Believe Riverboat Casino. No matter how you live like a captain, Captain Morgan reminds you to please drink responsibly. Captain's orders. Rachel, it's been a pleasure. We haven't figured out lovely or talented, which which uh, wins. So that's out, a beautiful combination of both. Anything you want to plug? You're going to be doing this soon too. <gasps> I have a podcast coming out. I don't. I don't think I'm allowed to talk about it. You can't talk about it. I can't really. I don't think I can say where it's at. It's the announcement is coming out uh, next week. Wow. So the Thursday after the Oscars, pe- right. people will know what's up. You want to whisper it, and then if people can decode it, figure it out. You can't say. There you go. There you go. Play that backwards, <laughs> and you'll find out. Uh, thank you, Rachel. You know, it was bought by the Spotify, so you could pick up your $8 million check on the way out. Oh, nice. Yeah, every guest gets paid a lot of money. Um, (laughs) we will be right back with Jay Cornegay, the vice president of Westgate Sportsbook. Welcome back to Against All Odds with Cousin Sal. Joining me right now, my old pal. A very relieved man, I'm guessing, right about now. Vice President of Westgate Sportsbook. Vice President. He's like the uh, he's like the Mike Pence of Westgate Sportsbook. People are always saying that about him, and now I understand why. Jay Cornegay, thanks for coming on Against All Odds. Yeah, I got a, a better parking spot now. I moved up a couple of slots. I'm a little closer to the entrance, so it's all good. Really? <laughs> Things are really looking up for you. you know, I figured after the Super Bowl, you take off You'd be fishing the Colorado River or something, holding a sports pager from 1997. But no, you're still working. (laughs) Yeah, actually, yeah, I am holding a a newspaper here in Las Vegas, but I'm still working. Uh But I'm looking forward to this weekend because it's going to be my first weekend off since August. So yeah, I well, have good for you. You deserve it. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't have one until um, the third week in February, and I I found out that I'm vacationing in the exact same spot as Clay Travis, who's on my uh, locking in show. So it is now not a vacation. So it doesn't really matter. But let's talk about you and the Super Bowl and Westgate. Did you guys end up using one or one and a half uh, at kickoff? We were all the way up to two, Sal. It was uh, wow. You know, we we thought we were going to get some San Francisco money, and we did like Friday night and early Saturday, but about midway through Saturday, it started to shift again towards Kansas City as it was early, you know, in the uh, two-week process that by the time we got to kickoff, we were still spinning at uh, Kansas City minus two as 
about 60 to 65 percent of the tickets from Saturday night and Sunday were on the cheap. Wow. So, okay. So I'm guessing, but everyone had the over too. So I'm guessing it's split for you. If uh, like worst case scenario would have been chiefs and over, correct? Oh yeah. There's no doubt. And our best case was 49ers and under. So it, we were staring at that, you know, we kind of got off to a rough start as you know, Mahomes scored the first touchdown. A couple of things didn't go our way early in the first half. We lost the first half. We were sitting in a pretty good hole uh, at halftime, but from really? that point on, yeah, we were, uh, we, we were, it was a comfortable watch for us because we know that we needed uh, the under and it was certainly on the under pace. Uh, but it was, it was a little disappointing because we were staring at our best case scenario for about a quarter and a half, 49ers and under. And of course we blew that, but it still turned out to be a very good day for us. Yeah, I imagine. And also I bet that last touchdown that Damian Williams touchdown made it better because that knocks out all the Niners teasers. Everyone who like me thought it'd be smart to take San Francisco plus seven and a half or whatever it was, you know, adding six and the, uh, and the under there. But um, is it going to be like that forever? I mean, when was the last time, and under hurt you guys. I feel like everybody bets over everybody. And with that, they bet over in props like uh, Mahomes over touchdowns, two and a half over yards. Same with Jimmy G, uh, Mostert, Tyreek Hill. All these guys went under in their props. But is an under ever going to hurt you guys? Uh, not normally. OK, it's been a while since we've actually needed the under in, in the Super Bowl. As you know, it's the recreational player that really dominates the handle for the Super Bowl, and this year was mm -hmm. no different. Everybody had the Chiefs. You know, they always tend to migrate to that that marquee quarterback, and they always bet right. the over. They come to Vegas, and they, they bet things to happen. They want to bet the yeses. They want to bet the overs, and this year, again, was no different. Yeah, and points are fun, and everyone's like, oh, the first half was boring. I said, no, it's 10-10. This is a nice little chess match. It's fun. Chiefs-Niners. We don't need to see Mahomes go crazy uh, for, for 60 game minutes, but which prop helped you? Which one hurt you the most? Well, in that, the best and the worst involved the same player. It was Mahomes, okay? So mm -hmm. we, we actually got a bad break when Thompson wasn't ruled in the touchdown or scoring a touchdown. Uh, that first yep. touchdown, he was about three inches short, and we were like, oh, you know, that would have been sweet. And then the very next play, you know, Mahomes goes in for a touchdown. That was a six, a healthy six-figure swing for us. So wow. we kind of got off to a bad beat there as Mahomes opened at 20-1 to one to score the first touchdown. And we had a proposition, will he score a touchdown, yes or no? Of course, everybody bets yes. So we mm -hmm. took it, you know, we took a pretty good punch right out of the gate. But the best prop result for us was him winning the MVP because he was even money and no one wanted to bet him at even money. In fact, right. we closed him at plus 125. They were all taking shots, which is normal Super Bowl betting pattern. The public will always want to take, you know, that low risk, high reward scenario. So they look for, you know, five to one, 10 to one, 15 to one, whatever they can get. That's what they're attracted to. So we were fortunate that they didn't bet, you know, Mahomes for the MVP. So that, that that's the whole thing with that. This is why sports books are so much smarter than the players. So you got Patrick Mahomes at even odds, whereas you have to lay about 115 for the Chiefs on the money line. Why wouldn't you spend the extra 15 cents to, uh, to get the whole roster? You have the whole Chiefs roster. You can get return touchdowns, everything. Tyree Kill, some weird stuff can happen defensively. 
And I think that's what people did. They took the uh, Chiefs, they took the points or whatever, instead of taking Mahomes for MVP, ended up both winning, or or they took a a, a flyer on other MVP choices. I thought uh, Jimmy G, even if you didn't like the Niners, getting close to three to one odds for MVP in a pick'em game was good value. But yeah, for sure. As far as the first touchdown goes, yeah, I saw that up at uh, as high as twenty three to one in some books. You guys gave it out at twenty. Yeah, we opened at twenty to one. And let's let's make it clear here, Sal. Let's not educate him too much here, okay? <laughs> <laughs> You're gonna no, be just fine. Just I have kidding. a feeling. I'm just kidding, of course. I'm kidding. But uh, <laughs> no, you know what? As as you know, we go through these years, and and we've been doing this for that was like my 31st Super Bowl. You know, the general nice. public actually has been you know more educated over you know especially the last you know five to six years. You know, they they've been a little smarter. Now they still have those you know, scenarios where they'd probably it'd be best just to bet the Chiefs rather than try to bet Mahomes for MVP. I, 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 that's understandable that they didn't really see through that. Mm-hmm. But they're, they're, they're a little bit more clever with their money, uh, but they're still recreational, you know, public players. And, mm-hmm. you know, they're still, they're still having a lot of fun with this. I mean, they have a great time. The, the lines, the atmosphere, it was just electric all weekend. I like I like how you said very diplomatic recreational public players. You want to call them idiots, and I'm I'm amongst those idiots, so that's okay. I don't I don't take offense. I know what you're saying here. Let me ask you this: the Mahomes rushing yards prop. I don't know how much you took on that, but uh, what was the what was the electric? It must have been extra electric. The atmosphere when Mahomes starts the final drive, if you want to call it that, at 44 rushing yards, way over 29 and a half or 31, 32, whatever he ended up having it as, and then takes three very deep kneel downs to to dip his total under 29 and a half, creating the worst bad beat in Super Bowl prop history. Did you guys get, you benefit from that? Yeah, there's, there's no doubt that that might be the all-time worst bad beat for a Super Bowl proposition. There's no doubt oh, yeah. about it. We opened, we opened 28 and a half, got bet up all the way to 34 and a half, and mm. you're right. He was at 44, you know, with that last possession. And then he takes a five-yard loss, a three-yard loss, a seven-yard loss, you know. But I'm going to tell you, most people weren't even thinking about that. Even though this was one of our top 10 propositions bet, and, and we were going to lose on it, there was no doubt about that, I don't think people realized what was going on when it was happening until, mm-hmm. you know, they, they had so many people that came up to the counter and said, you know, here you go, you know, and that that infamous phrase i'm sorry sir that's not a winner um Ugh. you know that's uh, that was repeated more than a few times sunday night and <laughs> people were just shocked they didn't realize it and we had to explain to our tellers to explain it to our guests that's exactly what happened yes he was at 44 yards until that last drive when he took those kneel downs and they were like oh no that's right yeah so it was that was a conversation that we had multiple times Sunday night and yesterday. By the way, that's not a terrible title for your, your next book. I'm sorry, sir. That's not a winner. Uh, or I'm sorry, ma'am, as the case may be, because, uh, yeah, I'm sure, I'm sure that happens a lot. And, uh, I always thought it'd be fun to cut away to you. Like when were you able to exhale for the final time there? I mean, I imagine you're still breathing regularly, but, uh, I'd like to see a cutaway to you and guys who run sports books rather than like John Lynch or GMs or something. Uh, I actually also think you should be allowed to call timeouts, but when were you relieved finally? Is it not until the final score? Well, I was pretty comfortable for most of the game, except for the, you know, that, that start. But then from that point 
know, and it was a, like I said, it was a really comfortable watch for me. And then mm. uh, when Williams broke out and had that 40 yard run or whatever, you know, and I was like, Oh, okay. We just don't want anything crazy to happen. And right. I, I was still pretty comfortable until that last pass when he threw it. Okay. As he was trying to kill that last five seconds. And, he, yeah. and I think it was hard. Hardman was wide open. And I'm like, mm-hmm. this can't. Okay. As soon as it hits the ground, <laughs> okay, I could exhale a little bit, but uh, I was comfortable for most of the game, but I'm going to tell you, I was a little nervous with that last play of the game. Yeah. There's a lot of weirdness going on when there didn't need to be. Um, what's the biggest bet you took on the game? You know, that's what kind of kept us down. And I was very disappointed in that we took a, a bet early in, in the two week uh, period, uh, 110,000 on the over 52 and a half. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, we didn't get anything above that. We, we had a, a lot of, 90s, a lot of 70s, you know, more than a few 30s and 40,000 dollar bets. But, uh, mm-hmm. you know, no one inquired about those big bets. I know that some people around town took some seven figure bets, but uh, no one approached us with that. And, uh, but our handle was still the same. Our ticket count was almost up 3%. So that's a positive sign. But our handle, as far as our property alone, was on par to what we saw last year, which was the second most our biggest handle that we've ever had on the Super Bowl. So I'll be curious to see what Nevada's numbers are when they come out later today. Let me ask you, and you talk about the recreational player and everything, but and it doesn't seem like there's going to be any chance you're going to be able to post the fun stuff like the Gatorade or who the, the game, the MVP is going to thank first and stuff like that. Do you think the handle would go up with these fun props or it just doesn't make, doesn't make a difference to the bottom line. And in fact, would be a headache if if it came down to like a discrepancy of who someone thanked first or if the if the Gatorade had an, a red tinge to the orange or something. Do you just not want to deal with that stuff or do you think it would make that much of a difference um, in terms of handle? Yeah, I mean, those those type of bets really don't, I mean, I, some of them probably get some decent attention from the bettors, but if there's not really a clear official result, I, I really just would stay away from it. I think what's really mm-hmm. hurting the handle or what has hurt the handle the last couple of years is the game is almost a pick em. And, and we get, you know, when we, when we have a, you know, a, a seven point favorite and they got a late two fifty or $2 or whatever it might be, you know, those money line plays that come in and people betting, you know, 170,000 to win a hundred, you know, really jacked yeah. up the, the, the handle prices. But we just haven't had that over the last two years because the point spread was close to a pick em. So that's hurt the handle over the last two years. But, uh, those type of propositions, to tell you the truth, if it if it doesn't have a definitive uh, official result, I just don't really care to mess with it. Yeah, and you know, I, I'm not getting there aren't exact reports or official reports yet. I, what I'm hearing is Nevada made money on the game. What we do know is New Jersey, they can't figure it out. They lost two Super Bowls in a row. I think they dropped over four million, four point two million on Sunday. What's going on? Why can't they figure it out? What are they doing wrong? I don't know. I have to look into it because some people are saying, oh, they got those promos and they got those, you know, bet builders and they got a lot of things that are going on. And I'm, I'm not sure if they're, we're comparing apples to apples. Uh, I'm going to look into that a little bit more. But, uh, you know, Nevada's only lost two Super Bowls in the last 30 years or so. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, with that type of action that you have coming in, it's just rolling in, uh, you know, with, with that type of play. I didn't say idiot. I said recreational public yeah. players. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it, it's just spread out so 
far that uh, a game like that, when you have the under and people playing all these different types of propositions with, you know, with the big that's uh, included in that, it, it's tough to imagine, you know, you losing, especially statewide. I mean, I can see individual properties if you have, a, you know, a, a, a big time player that comes in and bets a million dollars here or, or whatever, or a game that is kind of lopsided and it goes against your, you know, what you need. I can understand those type of losses, but a game like this is, is, is tough to understand. So I'll have to look into it a little bit more and see what's going on. If it is. For All right. I'll give you 10 minutes to look into it and then, uh, then we'll, we'll keep talking. <laughs> No, uh, no, and and especially I don't know. Maybe it's just me and my idiot. Sorry, recreational friend betting friends that bet teasers. But the when the Niners, like I said, went down the seven and a half or eight, whatever you had that that had to be a that had to be a big loss and a big help for the uh, books. Um, as far as legalization in states go, do you feel you're bulletproof? When is it going to hurt Nevada? When like when California legalizes, which doesn't seem to happen like it's going to happen anytime soon. When, when do you think you'll feel it? Oh, I, I think we're feeling it a little bit, you know, right now as each time when they open up a new jurisdiction, you know, a little piece is taken away from us. I get that. I mean, with, with what we've seen when I've talked to, you know, about um, with others around town, I mean, the places were packed, the restaurants, bars, everything was very solid. But I do think some of the bigger players might be staying home here and there uh, and, and playing in their home state. Um Certainly, if California get it, gets it, you know, that's going to be a huge challenge for us. And I think that's going to be a punch that we're going to feel, uh, you know, uh, there's, there's no doubt that that's going to take uh, something away from Nevada. But right now, I think it, it, it hurts us a little bit, but nothing significant yet until California legalizes it. Do you actually have like Westgate lobbyists like uh, incognito, you know, lobbying against the bill? Do they go to Sacramento and then uh, you could lie and say no. But what, what's the truth there? <laughs> no, actually, I've talked to uh, a few uh, of the um, you know, decision makers there, the legislators there uh, about, you know, legalization. And actually, I invited them to come out. And, uh, you know, we, we we actually look at it as an opportunity for us if. If they do legalize it, you know, we would like a piece of that. We would like to see a super book in California. So we're looking mm -hmm. at it as more of an opportunity than a threat. And is it true that it doesn't make sense to legalize it, put it on the bill if mobile isn't part of it? I think like New Jersey and Pennsylvania, I use those as the, they're the two big ones that uh, legalized recently. Uh, about 80 percent of their handle, I think maybe even 90 in Pennsylvania's case, is through mobile, through phones, through Internet. Does it make sense to even present a bill? Uh, or vote on a bill that doesn't include mobile? You know, if, if they feel like they just want to dip their toe into it, I, I get it, kind of like what Iowa did for, you know, the mm -hmm. first 18 months and then legalized mobile. I, I, I understand the hesitation, uh, but, you know, the truth of the matter is if you're not going to have mobile, you're not going to see the type of revenue that other states are enjoying. And I, right. Todd, Todd and I, you know, both were testifying in, in front of the Senate there um, in Sacramento a couple weeks ago. And yeah, Todd I, I think Furman, we, yeah. We hit, yeah, we hit a point there and, and I think it really hit home for them and understand how important mobile is if you're going to benefit from sports betting. OK, all right. So you really are rooting for California here. I don't know. That wasn't just smoke and mirrors there. If you if that is true, I'll find out for Furman if you're if you're telling the truth here. But yeah, uh, yeah, mobile. <laughs> it, it, I mean, it has to be mobile. Everybody's on their phone. Nobody wants to leave their phone, leave their room. So. Um, I, I understand the challenges, though, uh, getting it passed. The other big part of California is they didn't want to take wagers on their own schools. And, and that's another 
you know, chapter that we, we covered there. And, and oh, yeah. that it, I, I understand that kind of feels good. And, you know, we call it like feel good legislation. But the point is, you're just going to move all those fans that want to bet on the local schools or against the local schools. You're just going to push it through illegal channels. It doesn't make any sense at all. And we learned that here in Nevada, you know, 20 years ago, you know, taking, accepting bets on your, your own schools is just like another game. But if you don't, yeah. you're going to miss out on a lot of revenue. And those people are going to find ways to bet for the, on their schools or against their schools through all the illegal channels that available to them. It's so funny. When you talk about your own schools, you're, you're referring to USC, UCLA, uh, Cal, Stanford, those schools. But the offshores, the illegal offshores, you could bet on LeBron James' kids' school. You know, it's, it's, it's unbelievable. <laughs> um, the disparity. Yes, pe- people are going to find it. Um March Madness right around the corner. What that's when everyone goes all in on Colorado State, right? But I, until then, what are you looking at? <laughs> yeah, that's exactly. They're all on Nico and the Rams there. Um, <laughs> no, you know, I, I tell you what. I mean, I'd rather work two Super Bowls than March Madness. March Madness is, I mean, that's a handful, man. It's like, yeah. I mean, here we got. It's just a totally different demographic for the Super Bowl. You know, you got more of a mature crowd, older. You know, a lot deeper pocket you know you see more couples you see more females and then you get to march madness and it's a you know freaking frat party okay i mean it's just mm-hmm. crazy i had to get this guy off the table you know two years ago i say sir you know you got to get off the table you know and he's like oh i go you know i was talking to him i go what do you do he goes oh i'm a i'm, I'm from california i'm an attorney in california i'm like it's all walks it's <laughs> people just come out and just release you know and uh I just like, you just never know, but man, it's a tough crowd. I mean, it's a great event, but man, it's a handful for us here in Las Vegas. Right. Absolutely. I I wonder how it's going to be this year. There's no Zion. Uh, The top teams have four or five losses. You know, Virginia's not that good. Carolina's nowhere to be found. Uh, Michigan has like five home losses. It's going to be interesting. I think maybe March Madness is bulletproof and people go out there. It's still everyone's, you know, vacation with their buddies. Uh, So you might be okay there, but uh, not a lot of star power this year, right? No, in fact, I think it's the total opposite. I think it's going to be one of the best tournaments, maybe the best ever really? because of that. We don't have, mm-hmm. we don't even, have, I know we don't have uh, any of the, the top tier, you know, separating themselves, but that, that, that top 20, I mean, anybody can win it. I mean, it's crazy. And I think that's going to really make for a great tournament. So I'm really looking forward to that part of it. Uh, but I mm-hmm. certainly, as you said, it's wide open. We don't know what's going to happen because we're seeing upsets, upsets every single week. Look at you, the consummate salesman, Jake Hornigate. What do you expect from uh, the XFL? Are you putting numbers up there that starts this week? I can't wait for the XFL. <laughs> Not really. <laughs> I'm, see, I didn't sell that very well, did I? Okay. Um, <laughs> I believe it. I'll believe anything. But no, are you? do you, you have lines up? I haven't seen lines anywhere on the XFL yet. Uh, we're putting them up this week. Yeah, we'll, we'll see what happens. But, you know, we're always rooting for it. We'll see. I mean, I know it. I, they... It, it, the key, they got a really good television deal with, with uh, right. ESPN, I believe. So, um, Fox, you know, that, Fox, that, we're, we're all over it. Oh, come on, Jay. You're, you're just you're spitting on no. my bosses here. No. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah. Right. yeah Fox has got the game. Actually, actually, all the networks are carrying it, but I think Fox has the bigger deal. Okay. I don't remember. Did you have lines for the AAF last year? Yeah, we actually went down to, they invited us to go, they, they invited a couple of bookmakers down, and there was a handful of us that went down. To San Antonio mm-hmm. to check out a couple of games because they wanted us to 
see their product and everything. And to tell you the truth, I think they did everything right, you know, and it wasn't that bad. It's, um, they just didn't have any star power. They couldn't get points on the board despite, you know, they don't call holding penalties unless it's, I mean, blatant, which I agree right. with. Um, so they really tried to ramp up their offensive, uh, you know, scoring and make it fun. And they had a pretty decent TV deal, but they just had no star power. They couldn't get teams to score. And it was actually pretty dull. It was really unfortunate. We were root for him. Why don't we just fast forward to have Baker join this XFL? He could go at, Johnny Manziel in the finals. That's what everyone wants to see, right? <laughs> do, do it. Just do it. Why, why do we need it? Yeah, you're the salesman now. <laughs> hey, Jay, go enjoy some vacation, all right? Run while you can. I don't know why they're not uh, they're not letting you out. Do you have anything to plug? No, we're all good. You know, we're just looking forward to it. Uh, you know, we got uh, our contest coming up. We've been running all these. We had a the big game prop contest for the first time. We had like 171 entries into that. Yeah. There's a prop contest on the Super Bowl. That was pretty cool. But coming up, we got our Hoops Madness. We got our baseball wins. You know, uh, we got our Masters contest. So we, we're kind of contest out now. I mean, we're just, uh, we're all over the place. But people love those things. And so, uh, yeah, we got those all on deck. And, uh, you know, come down to the Westgate Superbook. You know, check us out. There you go. Thank you, Jay Cornegay. Appreciate it as always. Big winner. He never loses the Super Bowl. What does he care? Uh, thanks for coming on Against All Odds, pal. <laughs> all right, Sal. Have a good one. All right, that'll do it for another episode of Against All Odds with Cousin Sal. See me on Lock It In on FS1 430 to 530 every weekday. Watch Jimmy Kimmel Live 1135 tonight and every weeknight on ABC. That's that for Rachel Bonetta, Jay Cornegay, and heel producer Jim Cunningham, I'm Sal saying so long and happy handicapping.